I'm now at the dock. And so I say treadmill to a dock because treadmill felt like I could not stop. It was like going, going, going and forcing me to run and then I'd fall off. Dock feels like my favorite place in the world or my parents' dock where I feel ultimate peace. There's like nothing better in the world. And I didn't think that peace was possible in my working life or in my family life. It's like, well, I'll just go on vacation and I'll sit on the dock, I'll recharge and I'll go back out there into the hustle. And so my new life is hard. There's moments where I get ahead of myself, but I will say I'm working from a place of the dock. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Happy New New Year! Year! (laughs) Well, it's 2024. (laughs) Here we are. Yo, we're thrilled to be here, though. I know. We are so, so excited. thankful for a new year. And really, today's story, I will get you ready for the new year. That's why we put it right where <laughs> exactly. we did. But today, we are bringing you Courtney DeFeo, who is actually a friend of mine. You're going to hear her twice in the story talk about Dana, who is my sister. <laughs> and I met Courtney through Dana because they're really good friends. And I just knew she has a lot of stories, but this one in particular, I felt like would be perfect for the new year. Oh, it's absolutely perfect for the new year. And you know, it's a little bit different than our regular podcast. Usually our podcasts are are from live gatherings, and this was actually recorded through Zoom. But you know, Courtney is going to challenge you to find rest in your schedule. Find rest in the new year. I think so many times we are just all worried about New Year's resolutions and what we're going to get done and what we're going to accomplish, but this one's going to challenge you to find some margin in your day, and I think we could all use a little margin probably after coming off of the holidays. Oh, I know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, happy 2024, and as we are looking at the new year, we want to encourage you to maybe look into our Bible studies. We have When God Shows Up, Stories of Hope, and When God Shows Up, Stories of Freedom. Both are available on our website. You can click the link in the show notes below. Again, these Bible studies not only build community, but they are also great resources, even if you wanted to walk through these guides individually. As a matter of fact, our Stories of Hope Bible study, if you're a Patreon member, our Patreon manager, Amy Grody, is going to be visiting with Courtney Dole, who is in the Stories of Hope Bible study, and kind of catching up with Courtney on what's been going on in her life as she does a Where Are They Now episode. So you'll want to tune into that if you're not a Patreon member. Again, you can join. Just scroll down in our notes. And our Patreon group, they're the people that help keep the lights on. So they pay 5 or $10 a month and receive extra content. So if you're not on Patreon, we would love for you to join us. So here's Courtney DeFeo. Well, hello, storyteller friends. I sure do wish I was sitting in a den in Birmingham with Robin on one side and Dana, her sister, on the other side. I love how this started and I'm just honored to be a part of today. So I'm going to do my best. I got some notes and Robin's giving me a thumbs up and just want to tell my story and obviously start that any of us 30 minutes to tell 48 years is, wait, I'm 47. (laughs) It's a lot of, a lot of work. And so I'm thankful for this opportunity. And I want to challenge you guys up front to do this. Like if you're not on the podcast or you don't tell your story, through one of the environments, like the exercise of just looking back and looking at the themes was so powerful for me. And I would have just gained so much had I just done the exercise and then tucked it away in my computer. So thanks for the opportunity to share. So like many of you, I've had ups and downs, a lot of ups. I have was raised in a Christian home. 
I have two amazing parents, great family, been married 20 years, have two adorable daughters that I love. They're 14 and 16. We're currently getting along in those teen years. We've lived in a lot of great cities. I went to Auburn, Alabama, so that's a win. Now don't don't click off Roll Tide people. I'm somebody too. <laughs> but I've lived in Orlando and Atlanta and currently Dallas. I've had dream jobs. Uh, I've been able to create books and podcasts and so many cool things over my life. We also get to travel the world, which is not a brag. It's just one of the greatest, I guess, surprises of my life with Ron's job that we get to do those things with our kids. But at the same time, in the midst of it, we've had a lot of downs. And so I'm not immune to hard things. We've had cancer in our family as close as my husband. Most recently, I've felt lonely, depressed, anxious, dealt with chronic illness and migraines, and that has not been fun. I've dealt with disappointments and unanswered prayers hard times and marriage and friendships and all the things that you guys deal with as well. Also lost a friend tragically, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but that really impacted the last several years of my life. And so as you zoom out, there's some very tangible and life-changing things that God did in my life. And I could go for days talking about it. And I, I want to do that. I want to go back through my journal and just write all the ways that he showed up. But specifically in the last three years, I have felt him like never before through a series of unexpected moments. And it involved a three-year rest. It involved me taking a rest and taking back and then coming back into ministry and what God did through that. So I need to back you up and tell you that I'm a lifelong striver. So there's a theme as I pull back. So we'll try to go through my entire life real fast. Here we go. So growing up, the this is something that you'll see all through my life, but I was the entertainer, the organizer, the connector, the leader. And I learned pretty early that I had some unique gifts. I don't think I would have called it that, but I really could entertain a crowd. And I liked it. I liked the attention. I liked the feeling of succeeding. Whatever I jumped in, I wanted to just lead the thing and move the thing. And so I think at that point, I started really noticing there was a tension. It's like, what I wouldn't have called it this either. Like, what are my motives? I wanted to be seen. It was probably not the best motive, but I enjoyed it. And so as I get further on in life and maturity and faith, you'll see that I start recognizing like, is that the best use of who you are? But I picked up some lie along the way, not a lie my parents told me and not something any coach or anyone told me, but somehow I got the message. I am only loved if I am doing Like if I am doing something productive, that's when God loves me or that's when others love me or that's when I make friends or that's how I get on the team or I'm popular, those kind of things. And so that's a lie. I just want to say right now, if you believe I'm only loved if I'm doing, it's a lie. And it's something that I had to take years to kind of unpeel that and still do to this day. So going to Auburn, when I left high school, it was like starting over. I went to Auburn. I could completely be me. I could get rid of like that social status and who people thought I was. And I could just explode onto the scene because nobody knew me. It was such great fun. So all of my friends went to Georgia, love Athens, but I went the other way. I went to Auburn. And so there I also started clicking. And again, like, oh my gosh, I can achieve all these things. So it was striving, achieving, working. And I sort of, by the way, side note, put Jesus on the back burner. Although I'd been a Christian my whole life, I put him on the side to say like, I don't actually need you in college. It's more fun to go to the parties and to achieve, but I don't actually know, need you right now, which is a bad idea, but you'll see how he used that anyways. So college really started going into this idea of a treadmill. And I'm going to call this from treadmill to the dock. That should have been from the beginning, but treadmill to the dock. So this treadmill idea is that you're just running, 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 achieving, 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 and it gets exhausting. And so I learned how to do run fast and run all the time. I was in a thousand clubs, a thousand things. I was the VP of or president of most of them. However, I did have a 1.7 my first semester at Auburn. So my dad was like, hey, 
P.S. Can you go to class? Just, just asking. So one unique thing that I realized looking back and through this exercise was that I wasn't always invited to these roles. I would race ahead of God or race ahead of somebody. And I would like appoint myself. Sometimes I was elected. Sometimes I was asked, but there was a lot of times that I would like cause the fury, cause the treadmill in my life. Cause I would just run ahead and want to do, do, do. And so it became just like a way of living for me. So here goes that tension. I didn't, I couldn't have thought it then, but I look back now and say like, how could this be wrong? Like if God made me to influence and to lead and to do great things, how could this be off? Like I felt in my lane, I could instigate change and good in the world. And I just wonder and wonder then and wonder now, like, how's this bad? But I was seeing like, I didn't feel completely fulfilled. Like Cliff Notes version or the punchline is like, I wasn't doing it for the Lord. So I was doing it for me and for the stage and and for good things. But it was like, this isn't lasting and it's not fulfilling if I just keep striving and then falling off the treadmill. So I would leave every achievement and feel empty and unfulfilled. I left and went to a PR firm, a global firm called Ketchum, where I met my husband, Ron. And there was more of the same. It's like, if you work really hard, you get promoted every seven months, you get to go to New York, you get to all do all these things. And it was intoxicating is the word that just came up to my mind, like addictive. I was like, this feels awesome. Like to be in your lane, to be recognized it. So about that time I did meet Ron, we did end up getting married. And at that time, Jesus kind of came back into my life. And I realized like, Hey, all that is for what, like, what am I doing just to, you know, to be seen, to have a building with my name on it. Or what would it look like if I involved you in these decisions? What a novel idea, huh? And my parents are like, hello, we've been telling you that your whole life. And so I think at that point, Ron and I, we got married. We started going to a church in Atlanta. And it was really then where things began to shift, where I thought, what if I asked God ahead of these things? What if I you know, decided what I was going to do based on discernment, based on what the Holy Spirit was telling me to, what he wanted me to do with my life? And that's when things really started to shift. But we're not done with the tension. So after three years, I'm sorry, at Ketchum, I then went to Chick-fil-A headquarters and had the best experience. I loved working there. I loved working on the cows and it was so life-giving. And like many of you know, it's hard once you get pregnant with your first child, you're stuck with that decision. Like, what am I going to do? So I decided to stay home with my girl, Ella. Two years later, I had my girl, Larson. And I will transition to say during those early mom years, I think a lot of us kind of deal with identity problems. And I was all of a sudden shifting like, Lord, I want to stay home with the girls. I want to honor you with my work and whatever I do. But I was also like transitioning my identity to like, well, if they're good kids, if they're dressed well, if they behave me, then I am a good mom. And it goes back to that same root of doing like I have responsibility or I get to earn favor in people's eyes or I get to earn accolades. And I want to like pause here and tell you that my friends would probably want you to know that I really do have a big heart. I'm painting like a pretty crappy picture of myself. But if you look back, I've always desired to do great things in the world. And it's not for bad things. It's for good things. But I've just noticed this tension over my life. And maybe some of you listening are feeling the same way. Like, what is this all for? And what did you put me on this earth for? And those were the kind of questions I was asking. So to just pause and say, like, I'm not a total loser. I was using my time as a mom to you know, write books and to create blog posts and create movements for kindness and do all kinds of good things. But I was still feeling a little unsettled at the end of the day. So here's where we go back to those questions. I was still feeling like, well, how's this bad? I'm overworking and I'm exhausted, but it's for God. So like, how's that bad? If I'm churning and burning, like just to draw others to Jesus, how could that be bad? And here's a big one. I would rather die knowing I loved others well than fitting in my skinny jeans. And so that was this thought. That, well, if I'm exhausted and I'm not taking care of myself, it's okay. Like I'm doing things for the Lord. But what I've realized 
and he's really trying to press on me over the last few years, is healthy me has to precede loving others. I have to be healthy to do all the things he's called me to do. And that's hard for someone like me that does not like to take care of themselves to really realize. So fast forward, I am living in Dallas, Texas. I've got two girls. They are growing. I'm writing, speaking, podcasting, doing all these things and trying to balance. And what I would have told you back then was it was a work-life balance issue. So I thought, I just need to rest more. I just need to take seasons off. And I would jump off that treadmill, kind of like a little rat race. And I would jump off and say like, oh, it's a sabbatical, guys. It's a 30 days off of Instagram. And I would take these little breaks and that would work for like a second. And then I would get back on. And so he started nudging me and really talking to me. And it wasn't audible. It was more like, you need to be done. You need to be done. And I was scared. Like, who am I if I'm not in public ministry? Who am I if I'm not contributing things to the world? So about March of 2020, and his perfect timing, he, even before the pandemic started happening, he was turning everything off. It was very clear that I was supposed to stop speaking, stop writing. And that death, the tragic death of my friend, Winter Pitts, really got me thinking about my health. Like if I've been dealing with migraines for 20 years, should I actually take a real rest? Like, what would that look like? And one doctor friend of mine said, if you will take a physical and mental rest, I think you'll see success. And so one of the options with the diagnosis I have is called Chiari malformation. And it's a skeletal issue that some people have their whole life and you don't know it, but sometimes it creates excruciating headaches. And one of the areas that they can do is a brain surgery. So at this time, I'm like thinking I'm supposed to turn it off, thinking I could have to have a brain surgery. So let me give a little more clarity. And again, we could talk for days on each of these issues, but Winter Pitts was a dear ministry friend of mine. We were moms in the same town. We'd known each other for years and years. When I first started my first ABC scripture cards in business, she was just starting a magazine for girls. We happened to move to the same town. She had four girls. I had two. And we decided to do a podcast together. And we had recorded 19 episodes, I think, in the spring, I believe it was 2018. And she suddenly passed away of a heart issue that they could not have seen coming. And all of a sudden, I have a friend that I talk to every day. We recorded every day that is just gone. And I don't want to be like the big sad victim in this thing, but it was just shocking. When you have a mom your age and their girls are your friends, it just rocked me to my core. And I tried to do the podcast again. I was still so sad. I tried to like deal with my grief in a way that was like, well, there's people more sad. There's her kids, there's her husband. And I kind of just stuffed a lot of it, but it really did rattle me in many, many ways. And so it wouldn't be until 2020 that I was like, okay, I've got to take a look at this. And so that March, right before the pandemic starts is when I thought like, what are the changes that need to be made in my life? Not just physically, but internally, spiritually, emotionally. And, you know, my girls were getting older. So it was kind of a a good time to start, you know, a little midlife crisis. You're like, what do I do with my life? And so paused. And I would like to say, you're welcome for the pandemic. You're welcome for the quarantine. Cause God's like, we need to put courts on the couch for a few years. And I needed a worldwide pandemic to just pause for a second, but that didn't, that helped the situation because it wasn't, you know, everybody was home, but at the time I will tell you, and this is what I think you have to ask the Lord, like, I'm open. I hear you saying that I need to stop. I don't know how long that is, but I trust you. And I was scared because I don't know who I am apart from contributing to the world. I knew that I would be okay. I knew that I wouldn't be bored. I have a husband with a huge job. I have kids that are busy. We're very, you know, ingrained in our school and community. So I knew he would use me, but I wasn't sure what it would look like. 
And so I wasn't sure. I just kind of signed off on the internet and said, see you on the other side. You know, I would post something every now and then. I pretty much finished all of Netflix. Like if y'all have wanted to know about something on Netflix, I've watched it. I've binged the whole season. I actually gained weight, which is interesting because I've literally laid on the couch for a long time. And um, it wasn't how I thought. I thought I will do this thing. I will obey God. And then this exchange will happen. He will take away my headaches. And then he will also help me lose 50 pounds and I'll roll out like this Oprah moment with like a cart full of fat. And I'll be like, ta-da, here's Courtney on the other side of her grand obedience. But you know what? It didn't work like that because I don't think he does deals. And I think he had something more in store for me. It wasn't a physical change he wanted to happen to me. It was an internal, just interrupt the system that I've been used to and how, and it would need more than a month. So three years later, guys, here I am and I'm back in ministry, but Okay. So I'm going to get to a few things that happen, but I will tell you if you're my friend and you've prayed for me or we're friends in real life, or even Robin and Dana probably know from storytellers, like I'm a different person. I am healed from the inside. Like I feel at more peace. I feel less rattled. And he did some pretty powerful things in that time that were very unseen. And so a lot of us feel unseen in the work, but it's like, gosh, I needed that. I needed God to speak to me and do something so personally that I would be different on the other side. And again, it wasn't physical. It was emotionally and spiritually. And I'm hoping the physical stuff will catch up, but I still have headaches, but they're improved. My skin looks better. I have more joy in my face. I feel present in my family. I feel present in my work. And it's been so neat to watch what it looks like to come back to a role in ministry on the other side when he's done such healing. So a few things that contributed to it, kind of some fun God stories. So it was about, right? I can't get all the timing right, but maybe like 2022. So two years into it, I had called a friend and again, I'm a little bored, but I was like, Ooh, I can help this teacher that had a foot surgery, her bunion surgery. And so I'm calling her and texting her thinking like, how can I serve her? And she kind of wouldn't get back to me. And I, I was like, really, I want to bring you something. I want to do something. And, and it was like, Jesus himself went through her voice. And she said, Courtney, and I think it was a text, but she said, I don't love you for what you do for me. I truly love you for who you are. We are friends and that's enough for our friendship. And I ugly cried, something just zinged through my heart. And I thought that is it. It's not just in my work, it's in my friendships that I think if I do something or I love them enough or I promote them or I show it for the kids that that will make them cling to me. Like they're in need of me. It's just this weird Enneagram two, three, all swirled together. And I know you're wondering, I'm a three, two, probably a two, three, maybe, I don't know. I've tested and been like five things. So all that to say, I have a deep desire to help people. I have a deep desire to like do it and get the thing done. But God was teaching me like, you don't need to do that. So another thing that happens, I went through three different sessions of healing prayer. And every time somebody would offer that to me, even if I thought it was weird or it wouldn't work, I'm like, I'm there. So it was one random lady in Dallas. I went to, it was two people. They prayed for me for three hours. I had never met them before in my life. And if I tell you the things that they said, it won't make sense to you because you're not Courtney. But when they say something that's like, they have read your mail, they have been in your underwear drawer. Like that's a dumb example, but you know what I mean? Like they know so specifically what God's telling them to tell me that it could only have been God. There was another group of friends that got together in Nashville and the same kind of thing happened. And so I think two to three, maybe times that I thought, okay, Lord, you are speaking. Like you want me to know some really specific things about who I am without the work. And then at the same time, he was speaking prophetically that you're going to get back out there. And here's what I see you doing. And it was bigger 
than anything I had dreamed. It was kind of scary to write down in my notes. It was scary to believe what he was saying, but I couldn't discount it because it was from these strangers that had no recollection of who I was. It was pretty cool. And then the last big moment was I had gone to a thing called the Open Door Sisterhood Retreat in the middle of nowhere. It was like near Oregon and Washington. I just went on a whim, actually not on a whim. I had said no for six years and felt like this is the year I'm supposed to go. That's so weird. Why would I go to this mastermind around other authors and speakers when I'm kind of retired? Like I'm on the couch. What do y'all want from me? So I went and in all in God's timing, he spoke to me so clearly through there. And he, through the ladies there, he gave me a confidence back about my work. He gave me assurance. He gave me a vision for what that would look like and to believe that I could get back out in public ministry, but in a different way. So it felt so exciting. That was, you know, last year, maybe fall. So let's get back to 2023 around March when he was saying, you're getting back out there. I had already been to the retreat. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I trust you, but I don't know what we're doing, by the way. Like, what are we doing? Are we doing a podcast? Are we working? And so I felt the nudge to turn my website back on and just kind of re-update it. But I really sat there with Ron and we were praying like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm here. I'm ready to serve. I'm healthy. Is it to market, help people market? Is it to consult? Is it to go help other ministries and women's ministries? But he said very clearly, like it was back in parenting. And I thought, huh, that's weird because I'm not a perfect parent or do I have an expertise? But I'm game. I love parenting. I love talking about it. And I love encouraging moms. So he said, that's where we're going, but I still don't have a job offer. I'm like, okay, so I'll just start Instagram captioning. I mean, what do we do? And so do I speak at the mops? I don't know what we're doing. And so started that. And just several weeks later, I got a call from Christian Parenting, which is a a network that does events and podcasts. It's really trusted. And I admire a lot. And they said, what if you did a podcast for us? We have a podcast network. And I was like, huh, let me think about that. Now, remember the old me would have jumped on that and started a company by Tuesday, but I just paused and was like, okay, is that it? Is that the thing? And I had enough maturity in the moment to just pause and not get ahead of God again. And so then they offered me another one and it was going to be for teen girls and it still didn't feel right. And I thought I could do that, but should I do that? And that's the thing, guys, like we can do a lot of things. We can prove that we're so talented. We can like physically and mentally and spiritually do a lot of things, but should we? And that's where I think the sweet spot is, is God to discern what should I do? So then the third call came and the Jill Jefferson, my friend at Christian Parenting said, I think we've got it. I think this is the one we think you're the one, but you pray on it. And they said, our number one podcast, um, Pardon the Mess, which is a podcast within Christian Parenting, it's got millions of views. And I wish you had not said that because I'm like, what? A little intimidating. But the current host, Cynthia Yanoff, who's a dear friend of mine, is leaving. God is calling her to a new assignment for her own podcast and own ministry. And we want you to take it. And so I interviewed, but it was from the very first phone call. I thought, this is it. This is it. And would I have been mature enough years ago to take on a platform of that size without making it about me, without freaking out, without going so head hills and into it, going so full force into it that I'd let my kids suffer or I let my marriage just, you know, be deconstructed. And so I think it was such cool timing that God's like, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready for my next assignment. And it's completely from him. It felt like a gift, like plopped in my lap, which was so so cool. So all that to say, here I am, I'm back out there. It's been months of episodes and I can tell you it's my favorite job I've ever had in my life. And it is so fun just to chat. There's people doing other things. There's people like setting up the guest and, and editing it and doing all the things I'm terrible at. Like I just get to turn on the microphone, talk, talk to people like Max Lucado or 
Chris Tomlin or Jeannie kind of, I mean, the list goes on or everyday friends. Some, some of the people you won't know, but I feel like God is allowing me to just learn every week and use my gift of gab, I guess you'll say, to just draw others closer to him and and help them be encouraged in their parenting. So I do want to read this last part. Robin's going to have to let me read. I love you. Um, but I'm now at the dock. And so I say treadmill to a dock because treadmill felt like I could not stop. It was like going, going, going and forcing me to run. And then I'd fall off. Dock feels like my favorite place in the world or my parents' dock where I feel ultimate peace. There's like nothing better in the world. And I didn't think that piece was possible in my working life or in my family life. It's like, well, I'll just go on vacation and I'll sit on the dock, I'll recharge and I'll go back out there into the hustle. And so my new life is hard. There's moments where I get ahead of myself, but I'll say I'm working from a place of the dock, which is how winter worked and how one of the ways, if you go dig around, you can search her funeral on YouTube and and see that she was such a unique human. And I always admired and thought it was just because she was an introvert, but she was a beautiful human that worked from God's place of rest and just discernment and what the one assignment she was supposed to do. And it was really inspiring. And so she's filtered through this whole thing. So here's some things I've learned. I've learned deeply in my soul that God really loves me. I felt and experienced this so personally in the last three years, I can't even explain. I learned that he will not leave me in the fires. He will absolutely carry me and you. I learned that true margin, true resting is a powerful healing agent. I learned that God's big questions and actually pausing to get his answer will change your life. I learned that no likes, pounds lost, books sold, purses collected, Netflix shows watched, or sales achieved will last, will give you lasting joy and lasting fulfillment. It just won't. I learned that a healthy inside is what I needed to lead my family in my life, even in the physical part. That's still a struggle. I learned that he wired me specifically, and I'm not a mistake, that I can be used for his glory in astounding ways if I'll only pause, rest in him, and trust that he knows the very best plan for my life. And I want to pause there. Like we say that it's probably on tea towels all over your city, but it's like, we really, like, do you really, really trust that you can walk away from the best job you've ever had at Chick-fil-A and be a mom? Do you trust that you're supposed to go into another role part-time when you really want to be home with your kids? Like this is so personal to each of us. And so do we really trust him? And now I know that I know his plan is the very best all day long. I've learned that the feeling that comes with a treadmill life running until you crash over and over again is really no life at all. I've learned that I do not have to work, strive, impress, perform, hustle, win to earn his love or make and keep relationships. I would love to pray for us at the end if you guys are good. Lord, I just want to pray for all the moms listening that maybe, and not just moms, women, women of all ages that have a lump in their throat because they are feeling exhausted. And some things, Lord, we can't quit. We can't just walk out on our families, but we can pause even our calling and our gifts. And the th very thing you think God plopped in your lap and he did may have been for a season. And would we have the courage, Lord, to lay down some things that felt from you in the first place and just pause to get better. And I don't know what that looks like for other people. It may not be three years. It may be a week. It may be asking someone to help. I, you only know what everybody is doing with us listening. And I just thank you, Lord. I praise you for being that kind of God that sees the whole world that created all of us, but is so personal that showed up to me in a profound way this last three years. I thank you for the friends and the mentors and the parents and the family members that know me so intimately, but know God and love him more than me. 
and would have the confidence and the Holy Spirit to speak some of the things I needed to hear in the most loving, graceful way. They made a difference in my life. And I just would just love to honor them today. I wish I could, you know, call them by name, but Lord, you know who they are. And I pray that as they're listening today, that they will just realize that they have such a peace and what you're doing in the world. And I thank you for storytellers. I thank you how it's calling out everyday women to tell the story of God's faithfulness. And I pray that you'll continue to bless this ministry in Jesus name. Amen. You know, we talked about this at the beginning, but hopefully now that you've heard Courtney's story, you're like, yeah, I think I should take notes on ways to sit with the Lord this Mm -hmm. month and be quiet and learn how to find margin. This is a topic we could talk about for a whole year (laughs) because there's so much in her story, I think, that applies to every single one of us in this race that we run. Life just is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's always busy. One of the things she said towards the end, how can we sit back and work from a place of rest? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, what does that look like to work from a place of rest? My ears perked up so early in this story because very early she said, I picked up a lie from somewhere. It wasn't from her parents. It wasn't from anyone in her life, but I picked up a lie from somewhere. We know where that lie yeah. comes from, yeah. right, ladies? Can right. You can yeah. answer it. I, I can. Thank you, Satan. <laughs> so I picked up a lie that I'm only loved if I'm doing. Mm. And I just feel like as women, we struggle with that concept mm. of we have to perform or we have to do in order to receive love, not only from the Lord, but from yeah. others around us. Well, I mean, society tells us that. That's right. You That's know? right. I mean, that we have to achieve achieve in order to be successful. And one thing that she said to me that just made my ears perk up, kind of like like you, Lindy, is just being able to discern between what we can do and what God wants us to do. Because we can all do a lot of things, but maybe God does not want us to do all of those things. Because often, and I think women probably struggle with this a little bit more, because we're better at multitasking. You know, we we can juggle a whole bunch of things at once, and then we are just so depleted and exhausted. And honestly, the people we love the most, you know, get, get the least of us. And I will tell you, the Lord being one of those. You know, this this idea of sitting too and being still before the Lord, I think a lot of times we think, you know, especially in the new year, we, we all get on our, I'm going to read the Bible in one year. I'm going to I'm going to do all this. And it becomes that check mark of, okay, I'm going to read, 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 read. Okay, done. Did my devotion for today. Mm. And I mean, I think one challenge that, that I'm taking with this is trying to be still mm. before the Lord, not reading His Word, but just sitting before Him and and resting in who He is, and then maybe journaling, you know, the yeah. words that that come out. You know, one thing after I listen to this, I'm real big on you know looking at the original Hebrew and Greek words. But the original Hebrew word that's translated as as rest really means to be at peace, to be still, to be quiet or calm before the Lord. You know, and I think sometimes. We don't surrender ourselves to Him enough to understand the idea that that these versions of what it means to rest in the Lord convey this idea that we have to sit in the presence of Him and just surrender everything before Him. I think that's really why we titled it, you know, From the Treadmill to the Dock. What do you do on the dock at a lake besides just look at the water and you're just still before Him? You know, one of the things she said also towards the end of the story, when she was trying to help her friend, and she was like, I'll bring you a meal. I can do this. I can do that. And her friend was like, no. And she said, I don't love you for Mm -hmm. what you do for me. I love you for who you are. And if that's not 
the Lord telling us that, you know, sitting on the dock, there's not much you can do. Mm-hmm. There's not much you can do for him when you're in that place of rest. Mm-hmm. But you are, you know, you are sitting with him and you just are. You're just still. I know so many people are going through so many different things. I think the big joke is everybody's walking through something. <laughs> but, you know, what she said in her story that margin and rest is a powerful healing agent. Uh-huh. So that is a big challenge that that I'm giving all of you and each of us mm-hmm. is that this January to sit and be still, have that margin and rest and see what the Lord does, not only in our heart, but physically as well. That's a great physical healing agent as well. And what the Lord teaches us about His sovereignty and who He is. Well, and if you'll lay that at His feet, He will show you. I mean, she talked a little bit about, you know, don't be scared to walk away from things, even if you feel like they are from the Lord, they came from the Lord, and that they are for the Lord. It's okay if He's leading you to drop some things in order to free up your margin, to free up your schedule, to free up your time so that you can be with Him and, and recharge. Yeah, we we hope that you've learned so much today, that you've been encouraged, that if you find yourself identifying with Courtney in any way, that you walk away with the challenge that Katie gave of finding the margin and the rest and what that looks like. So thank you so much for listening today. And we will be back next week with a live story from a live gathering in our Trussell community. And we cannot wait to talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>